Welcome to Negotiation Made Simple, where we help you master the art of negotiation and win the next deal. I'm your host, John Lowry. On this episode, we are going to wrap up a three-part series on preparation. If you haven't listened to the first two, I encourage you to go and do that. We are building on those two. And here we are going to wrap up the final set of questions that are really important to ask as you get ready for every single negotiation. And so totally between all of the three episodes, there's about 21 or 22 questions that are critical to ask. These 21 or 22 questions, I think on a typical deal, take about a half hour to work through. But that half hour can be absolutely huge in terms of walking in with confidence and delivering a great deal, or if you don't take that half hour, walking in with uncertainty, being vulnerable, and leaving it to chance as to whether you can bring that deal home or not. I want you to be prepared. I want you to be ready. And in order to do so, I'm excited about this conversation to where we will talk about the setting, we will talk about the timing, we will talk about how we transition from positions and get ready with creative ideas. All of these things are important to setting the stage for your great next deal. Let's jump into the conversation. Let's turn to this final set of questions as we think about preparing for a negotiation. Here is where we get ready for the actual dance. And in this stage, we need to be very anticipatory because what we are going to do is to try to map out the process and try to map out how this deal is going to come together. Now, the reality is we won't be exactly right. This is like a business plan to where building the business usually doesn't happen in perfect concert with the plan. There are some years that are bigger, some years that are smaller. There's this strategic direction that you decide to go away from, and instead you go in a different strategic direction. All of that is okay. The value of the plan is to having thought through the very important strategic questions that you need to answer before you embark on the journey. That is the same exact thing we are doing here as you get ready for your negotiation is we're coming up with a plan, not because the plan is going to lead us perfectly. Remember, we're dealing with the other side. In the other side, there's uncertainty. We don't know exactly what they're going to do, which is why we can't put too much stock in the plan. But what the plan will do, as you will see, is that even though it isn't perfect in anticipating what the other side does, it will prepare you to respond to whatever it is that they do. Because the way it'll work is they will either be more aggressive or less aggressive than you anticipate in the plan. And what that means is that you can adjust accordingly. And so if they're more aggressive, you can easily become more aggressive yourself. If they're more accommodating, you can become more accommodating and you can make that strategic decision and know what that means in terms of the numbers and the substance of the deal, just like that. So here are the last set of questions that we need to answer. Let's start with thinking about the opening offer and how we get this started. 
And so we have set up our bottom line. We've thought about the ideal outcome. We know where we want to end and we know where we're willing to end. But now we also know where we are willing to walk away. And as a result of that, we're now ready and have the information needed to make a really strategic and wise opening offer. Now, the reason this step is so important is because this is a critical step in our internal negotiation. And so remember, this whole process is based in uncertainty. And many times we get uncertain about what the other side is going to do or how they're going to respond to our opening offer. And what unsophisticated negotiators do, at least in my observation, is because of that uncertainty, they talk themselves into being more generous at the opening stage. It's the internal negotiation to where they say, I don't know how the other side's going to react. I think it could be negative. So I'm not comfortable going with that more ambitious number. So I'm going to take some off it. I'm going to try to be more reasonable. And as a result of that, you end up giving value before you ever even start the process. We don't want to do that. And so here, this gives us a chance to kind of see it in front of us in terms of saying, I know what the ideal outcome is. I know what my bottom line is. What's the number that is going to give me the best chance of getting to the ideal outcome, but also a number that is going to get the dance started? Obviously, if it's way too ambitious and they've got other options that are much better and it doesn't even start a negotiation, well, that number's probably not going to work. And so we're trying to find that number that will get the dance started, but will also put ourselves in the position to deliver that ideal outcome. Now, we also have to decide whether we are going to put the first number on the table or are we going to let the other side put the first number on the table? And this process is really simple. What you have to decide is what is more important, influence or information. If influence is more important, then you need to put the first number on the table because that is the most influential moment you will have in the negotiation. If the information that the other side gives you as part of their opening offer is more important to you, then let the other side put the number on the table. And sometimes there's just some situational dynamics that dictate who puts the first number on the table. So for example, when you go shopping or when you're going to buy a car, you're going to buy a house, usually the opening offer has already been made. You don't get a choice there is a listing price for the house, or there is a sticker price for the car, or there is a sales tag price on the item you're looking to buy. The reality is, is the opening offer many times has already been made. But in business settings and in other settings, there's moments where that opening offer hasn't been made and you have the choice. And so I encourage people to think about putting the first number on the table. There is a gravitational pull that comes with it to the final number. There's lots of influence that comes with that. So if you can do it, do it. But understand that if you don't have the opportunity to do it, it's not the end of the world. What remains is that your most important move will be your first move, whether that's the first number on the table or the second number on the table. 
The opening offer is key. And then from there, we will begin a process of concessions. There will be a series of compromises that follows, and that is the dance. That is the negotiation. And so thinking that through, trying again to anticipate and map it, that's really key because here is where you can keep yourself from making the mistake of in an effort to get a deal or in an effort to save time, putting too much value on the table and not getting the value that you want in return for it. That's the big risk here. And so here's a way to kind of map that. And again, if the other side doesn't come back with what you anticipate them coming back with, well, you may need to slow down and make a smaller move in the next round. Or you might want to speed up a little bit in order to get the deal done. But this is the value of mapping your concessions. It also helps in terms of trying to figure out kind of the sequencing of the moves and how many moves you think the process can tolerate. And so sometimes when we're buying a car or in my context of litigation, there are lots of moves. You go back and forth a lot. But in some circumstances, you don't have the luxury of time or you don't have the luxury of just having the environment that allows for that many moves. And so if you recognize that to be the case, here's where you prepare for that in terms of saying, okay, I think this is going to be two or three moves that get us to a deal. What do those two or three moves need to be? And what do they need to be from the other side that leads us to this deal? And that will help you in terms of making sure that you accommodate for the fact that the process won't be a long dance. It'll be a very short dance. Okay? So right there, if we pause, we have now prepared for the competitive negotiation. This is for the give and take. This is the concession strategy that helps us find a place in the middle where we can try to put a deal together. But what I want to do is to take you in a completely different direction because that process doesn't always work. And so you've got to prepare for an alternative. The alternative is to transition from positions. And so this is getting us away from, well, here was my position. Now I've made a concession, so I have a new position. Now I've made another concession, so I've got another position to just get out of that game completely. Because many times that game is going to work for you, but I want you to be ready when it doesn't. Because unsophisticated negotiators, when it doesn't work, they're not ready. And so they walk away from the deal. And in walking away from the deal, They lose the business. They don't get the contract. They don't uh, win the day. They don't capture the revenue. I mean, there's lots of negative things that happen if you're not able to get the deal. And so what do we do if we reach impasse? What do we do if we reach that point to where the other side's not willing to give anymore and we're not willing to give anymore, but we still have this gap that is keeping us from being able to put this deal together? And this is where you transition from positions. So doing that involves asking questions, asking lots of open-ended questions. And so at this stage of the preparation process, it's important to begin thinking about what those opening questions need to be. What are some of the intangibles that are part of this negotiation? 
what are some of the internal challenges that the other side might be trying to solve with this deal or with this negotiation? What are some of those internal challenges that are perhaps driving the problem that is the essence of the conflict you're trying to negotiate through? And so here's the moment where we can begin an exploration process by asking questions, by engaging in a different conversation, we can learn some new information that many times will help us put the deal together. And so as we think about this, we've got to transition our mind from trying to persuade the other side to actually being empathetic and trying to understand the other side. Doesn't mean we have to agree with what they say. Doesn't mean we have to accommodate what they say. All it means is we have to understand it because that understanding is going to set the stage for creativity. And the creative people are the folks that get really good deals done. They're also the people that get the deals done that no one else could. And so these questions look something like, help me understand, tell me more about, what is it about? Things like that that invite people to share about what's really going on. You want to understand the why of their position, but you've got to be careful not to use the word why. Why puts people on a defensive. We're trying to get people to open up. So again, as we're doing this, As we work through this preparation process, we will have to anticipate. And so anticipating what their interests are is really, really important. But here's a critically important step that I don't want you to miss. And that is we have to confirm that which we assume. Because if we assume and we're wrong, we're going to be creating, we're going to be spending a lot of time solving the wrong problem. And that is easy to do. And so it's really important if you think that there's fear that's holding them back, then exploring that a little bit. Help me understand what you're afraid of. Now, there are moments where you'll have to share what you're afraid of first in order to set the stage for them to be comfortable to sharing with you what they're afraid of. And so if you suspect that there's a fear out there that's holding them back or causing them to be ambitious, or causing them to behave in a certain way, then just gently asking that question or sharing some of what you're afraid of. What that can do is that can get them to a place to where they can confirm the fact that it is a fear that's driving them. Now that you have confirmation, you're ready to move forward. Now here's the point where we get real creative. This is where we begin asking, what creative ideas, what additional value can we integrate into this process? That's the next question. And so here again, it's really valuable to start coming up with ideas. Now, will every idea that you write down on your sheet of paper, will it be the winning idea? Absolutely not. But you just need one. And so you'll need to explore some ideas in order to get to that one idea. I recently heard someone talk about this from an innovation standpoint. Uh, They were talking about Thomas Edison and how Thomas Edison failed 
what is estimated to be about 10,000 times in creating the light bulb. And it was finally after 10,000 failures that Thomas Edison found the right substance to serve as a filament for the light bulb. I think it was tungsten, if I'm correct. And so recognize that as you start thinking about ideas here and you're writing stuff down as part of your preparation process, there will be a lot of ideas that don't work but write them down anyway. Just allow your mind to go in terms of thinking about ways in which you can solve this problem or put that deal together that is connected with your interest and the interest of the other side. So what this will prepare you to do is to manage the integrative negotiation where we're thinking about how do we creatively integrate other areas, other pools of value that can help us overcome the gap that we have. Sometimes you may not even bother with the competitive process. You may just start with this problem-solving integrative process. And that's one of the values of this preparation tool. That's one of the values of working through this process and asking yourself these questions is sometimes it reveals that this process over here doesn't work and won't make sense. Over here, This process gives great opportunity in terms of getting a deal. It'll help you see that once you work through it. Okay, only a few questions left. Next question is, what tactics do you anticipate from the other side? Tactics are a big part of negotiation. These are the things that people do to try to get an advantage over the other side. Tactics are many in terms of how they come at you and what they look like and what the other side tries to do. So these are things like take it or leave it. These are things like making it personal. These are things like um, coming up with different ideas that become a distraction. Sometimes people are very patronizing as a tactic. Uh, There are other times where they all of a sudden don't have authority. And so you put a deal together and then they need to go get approval for it And when they come back, they need more. And so these tactics just show up all the time. And so it's important to think about, especially if you've negotiated with this person before, what are the the tactics that you anticipate and how is it that you are going to deal with them? Now, I find the best way to deal with them is to just stop the process if there is a tactic that is interfering with it, to call the person out on the tactic and then and then to negotiate the process before you continue to move forward. Because you don't want to be negotiating if there's a tactic that is being used and it's either being effective or the other side thinks it's being effective. You want to deal with those tactics before you deal with the substance of the negotiation. Okay, those are all the substantive questions. Now there's just a couple of questions that I want you to ask to set up the conversation right. Okay, the first is, what is the best setting for the negotiation? Is it your office? Is it their office? Is it a neutral site? Are you going to make the trip and travel to go see them? What is the best setting for this negotiation? And know that this is not about just finding a comfortable place to have a conversation. 
there's actually a lot of strategy that goes into this. And so, for example, when you make the trip out to see someone, that's something that is an honor. And so if you're dealing with someone that's got a very substantial ego, then sometimes it may put the negotiation off to the best start to go see them and to feed that ego a little bit. Other times that may be the worst move because they may feel that they have an upper hand on you, that you're desperate for the deal. And so here all of a sudden, the location of the negotiation becomes very, very important. And many people miss this strategic decision. They think it doesn't matter and they just look for convenience. And as a result of that, they put themselves behind. I know a general manager of of a professional sports team that only negotiates in his office because he feels like there's such an advantage to negotiating in his office. So any agent, any employee, any vendor, anyone that wants to negotiate with him, he will do it, but only in his office because he is taking control and making a strategic decision about the setting. Now, I don't know if that's always the right move. I certainly don't use that practice, but I love the fact that he's intentional about paying attention to the setting. It's brilliant. Okay, the last question. When is the best time for the negotiation? And so deals have a rhythm. Deals have a rightness as well. And so it's important to think about when you want to negotiate. So for example, if you're looking for a contract for the next year, it's really important to have those negotiations in the summer or in the fall so that you can ensure that that contract is included in the organization or the company's budget for the following year. If you go in January or February to try to negotiate a deal for that year, you will be too late and it will be more difficult to get the deal done because the budgeting process has already happened, the budget's already been approved, and the organization is already operating under that operational budget. And so if this is a big deal and you've got a lot on the line, think about the time of year when you want to have the negotiation. At the same time, if you're about to have some big news hit about your product or you're about to hit a big milestone, you may want to wait because that news or that milestone or that award or whatever it is will elevate the value of the product that you're trying to sell. And so you might wait until after that happens before you go and approach the next prospect because of what it will mean in terms of the ability for that product to be selected and for you to get maximum value for it. And so there's all sorts of things to where timing plays into a deal. And it's important to think strategically about it. Many times what I see is that people are so hungry to get a deal and they're working so fast to just get deal after deal after deal that they don't make really good decisions about when to negotiate. And as a result, they go to the table and they don't have all the leverage that they need to get a great deal. And so the timing becomes really, really important. Okay, this series of questions that I've shared with you This series of questions, if you will take the time 
to work through this series of questions. I think on an average kind of typical deal, this might be 30 minutes of preparation. These questions are awesome in terms of working with your team around these questions and these ideas. If you get my book, Negotiation Made Simple, you're going to find these questions on page 146. There's a list of them. But in fact, the entire chapter, chapter 10, Prepare for the Process, it walks you through these questions. But if you want to find a list, look at page 146, and that list is there waiting for you. I think that about 30 minutes of time working through these questions, you will be substantially more prepared for whatever negotiation is coming your way. And by being more prepared, there's a lot of research that suggests that if you are intentional and comprehensive in your preparation process, you will deliver a better deal. These questions right here are the absolute best thing I can give you in terms of helping you actually achieve better results in your negotiation. Because the preparation is so critical. If you do it well, getting a good deal is a lot easier. If you don't do it well, you become vulnerable and there are too many opportunities for mistakes to be made that will dilute your deal or perhaps prevent you from getting a deal at all. So take that half hour, work through this list of questions that we've been talking about over the last few episodes. Not only will you make negotiation more simple, but you will get more value for what you're looking to achieve in each one of your deals. Well, there you have it. These questions that I have just given you, these questions will make the deal or perhaps break the deal. By taking 30 minutes and sitting down by yourself or with the team that you're negotiating with and working through these questions, you will be more prepared. You will turn that uncertainty and that anxiety into confidence and discipline in terms of driving the deal that is going to help you reach your next level of success. Thank you for listening to Negotiation Made Simple. I'm your host, John Lowry. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.